you want to speak for? Blog Talk Radio. Okay, it's going to start in 10 seconds. Oh. Everyone and season's greetings. Welcome to Intersections Matchmaking's Talk Radio, a monthly show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Jess Bina, your host. I'm a, pra- I'm a former practicing lawyer and the founder of Intersections Matchmaking, the only elite national personalized matchmaking company focused on singles of South Asian descent nationwide in the U.S. Ours is a holistic lifestyle show. We and our special guests will discuss relationships, social dynamics, and health and wellness, each of which contributes to meaningful and fulfilling lives. I'm very excited to welcome Dr. Jan Yeager to our show tonight. Dr. Yeager, who holds a PhD in sociology, is an international relationships expert who has authored a number of books, including Single in America and 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life. Dr. Yeager's numerous television and radio appearances include CNN, The Today Show, Good Morning America, The Oprah Winfrey Show, The View, and NPR. Dr. Yeager has also been quoted in numerous publications, including the New York Times, Time, The Wall Street Journal, South, and Cosmopolitan. Welcome, Dr. Yeager. Great to be with you. And as a professional matchmaker and dating coach, I'm fascinated by insights and perspectives regarding relationships. I've enjoyed reading both Single in America and 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life, and would love to explore with you and our listeners some of the insights shared in your books. During our discussion, I'd like to open up the dialogue and give our listeners the opportunity to make any comments and ask any questions. So we welcome all of you listeners out there to ask questions during the show. If you're listening to the show on your phone and have a question, just press 1. If you're listening to the show via the Internet streaming, email your question to us at radio at intersectionsmatch.com. So Dr. Yeager, as we often use personal ads as one of the many search avenues on behalf of our clients, I was interested to learn that you met your own husband through a personal ad you had placed. I also noticed that one of your books has a whole chapter related to personal ads. Based on your personal as well as professional experience, can you share with our listeners any tips you have for effectively placing and responding to personal ads in one search for a life partner? Uh, Definitely. I think the first part of it is to see writing an ad as an opportunity to learn more about who you are and also the kind of person you're looking for. I think what has made not only my own ad uh, that led to meeting my husband successful and the ads that over the years I've helped people with in terms of writing their own ads and even working on profiles for the online dating services, it's important not to feel like it has to be just one ad and this is your only opportunity. Sometimes it's through the process of doing multiple ads, uh, looking at the kinds of responses, what you say gets back, that you tweak it, you you fine-tune it. But it's also mm-hmm. important to uh, be honest about yourself and what you're looking for. And what I mean by honest is, you know, really err on the side of, Uh, modesty rather than hyperbole or exaggeration because if you set up false expectations even if you're the most terrific person in the world if you don't just say you're a swimmer but you 
say you're an Olympic swimmer, the fact that Mm -hmm. you like to swim is going to be seen as a disappointment. Okay, raising the bar too high. um, Right. And also um, try out the ad on other people, on your friends, on relatives, Mm -hmm. you know, before you send it in. The other important thing is, whether it's a profile or an ad, it it has to be catchy. Now, that's different than exaggerating. You want to, in a very quick moment, initially get the attention of your potential uh, date. So take time. You know, this this could be a life-altering experience. So don't rush it which is different than taking so much time and being so afraid that you're going to say the wrong thing that you never, ever get around to actually doing it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, consider quotes can be good ways to start, famous quotes, um, you know, cute little ideas. You know, it it doesn't, there's no one way that's going to work for everyone, but it should be something that uh, is going to resonate with that, person out there who's also looking for someone at the same time. Great. Okay. And another, in terms of uh, resonates, a quote from one of your books resonated with me, and that's, uh, you know, I'd love to share the quote with our listeners and then ask you to expand. Um, So you wrote, unattached singles may fantasize about the ideal partner, but rarely do they consider how their ideal might differ from from reality or why their choices so often fall so short of their ideals. I'd love you to expand further uh, on this idea, Dr. Yeager. Well, I think, well, what did, what did it mean to you? Well, you know, as, as a matchmaker, I do run into, um, you know, people who I feel conjure up an ideal partner. Um, and so I would I'd love to hear, you know, how you came about this because, you know, what I see is sometimes people are conjuring up ideals, but um, what I oftentimes also see is that the package that of, you know, their partner may be in a package different from what they may anticipate. And so I don't like to see someone so narrow themselves so much with an ideal that they um, they then limit their opportunities um, with others. So I, I was wondering if that was, you know, along the lines of what you were thinking or, I'd love to hear, you know, what right. what was the impetus well, for that? Yeah. Yes. Well, I I think that uh, there, what's challenging about looking for someone is this mm-hmm. dual concept. On the one hand, extending from what we just discussed about either the personal ad or the um, profile, you want to have a an idea idea of the kinds of things you're looking for, but mm-hmm. expanding from that quote, you also don't want to be so rigid that mm-hmm. you lock yourself in. So, you know, perhaps someone who is um, uh, a professional is something that you think is that is is is, is absolutely imperative that someone's a doctor, a lawyer, or a dentist, or something like that, or a financial services uh, uh, expert. But then you meet someone, and he or she is a uh, a terrific writer, or an advertising executive, or a school teacher. And you need to allow yourself to give that person a chance and not have such a narrow perspective that you just rule someone out because of this uh this 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 persona that you invent that that person mm-hmm. has to live up to or or embody right. and, and you ditto with the person who's meeting you mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times people don't give the the person that they date a chance and and that's another part of the whole dating process that I discuss in 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life. One of my favorite parts of the book, and that's an outgrowth of my book, When Friendship Hurts, because I found that if you can get over a failed friendship 
or the idea that a friendship won't work out, you can be more courageous about trying to start new friendships. Similarly, if you can feel within yourself that if you find someone and you like him, if it's uh, you know a, a girl or a boy, depending on the gender, and that person doesn't re- return the feeling, that doesn't mean you're a bad person or a loser or you should swear off dating. So having the courage to say, and that's an extension of the quote you just had, you know, why do the people you go out with fall short of what you think you want? And how does that differ from what you're looking for? So, but I think a lot of, it's very important, you know, you can intellectualize this, but one of the um, gifts I try to share in 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life, and by the way, I'd like your listeners to know that the book is available in Vietnamese. It just came out in Vietnamese. Wow. Chinese, Chinese, Korean, Thai, and uh, those are some of the South Asian languages that might be of interest to your uh, listeners, as well as Norwegian, Romanian, and Italian. So the themes wow. of the book are resonating in lots of languages and cultures. So okay. it's very important, it, as you recall, in the beginning of 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life, I have a 110-question questionnaire, mm-hmm. and I ask the reader to ask himself or herself those questions about themselves, but also potentially about the other person that they may want to meet. So that I thought that was a great list of questions, yeah. Oh, thank you. And Absolutely. It, you know, I have a, a joke when people say to me, how did I manage to uh, have a marriage that's, you know, wonderful and we're celebrating our 25th anniversary this month? Oh, congratulations. For, thank you. For me, I say facetiously and in a joking way, for me it was important not to marry someone who was neater than me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for my birthday this week, one of the gifts that my husband gave me was he did the dishes. I asked him if, you know, as one of my birthday presents, he'd do the dishes. Um, our dishwasher wow. broke down, so we're doing the dishes by hand rather than uh, get another dishwasher. Um, so, but but that that and that and it it's it's as quirky as that, and it can be as dramatic as. Um, you know, do you both want children? I mean, that's a value that you have to establish going into the relationship because that can be a real deal breaker. Absolutely. That's one of those fundamental, I I consider it a fundamental area of compatibility where it's, uh, there's, there's very little compromise on that kind of a question. I mean, compromise is, you know, obviously very important in relationships, but there's certain, certain issues where there's little room for a compromise if both people right. are, and, you know. Yeah. And over the years, I've known couples where that was something they shared a commitment to avoiding. And right. also yeah. who's the uh, the breadwinner. Um, I've known couples that were very happily married because they wanted the wife to be the breadwinner and the husband to not have to deal with that and not have children. So, but it's defining, the key yeah, is defining that, that your own roles is, I mean, definitely in terms of compatibility. I think being comfortable as as a couple to to let yourself define roles instead of um, be, you know taking on societal roles in terms of whether then you're supposed to do this, supposed to have children, exactly, or what the man exactly. is supposed to do, what the woman. Absolutely. I, now another quote. Oh, I sure. say, another quote of yours from your past resonated with my. Um, with my professional experience, and that's that uh, this quote is, and I think it's a great one, it says, I look around at so many frightened and jaded single people, they want guarantees, they have a laundry list for ideal spouses and never date or date 25 people that they never see a second time. I once was that scared, throwing my love into work, a sure road to fulfillment or friends, a safer way to gain nurturance. But I've gotten stronger in the last few years. I'd love for you, Jan, uh, Dr. Yeager, to share 
with our uh, with our listeners how you personally overcame that mindset that you describe, um, as well as any professional insights uh, from people you've worked with um, oh, sure. along these lines as well. Uh, I think it's a very insightful um, oh, commentment, and I believe that you know you quoted it from an article that you had written as well at the oh, time. Oh right, um, yes. Oh, that was my article on um, uh, published in Newsday. Um, something about being single, uh, becoming mm-hmm. comfortable with being single. Well, it's my firm belief, both personally and professionally, that the first step towards coupleness is self-love and self-awareness and independence, because from independence can come interdependence. The relationships that tend not to work out are those where there's so much dependency and unrealistic expectations that uh, the one or the one or both partners feel that the other one's going to quote unquote save them. They're going to ah save the rescue from, the idea of being rescued by a relationship right they're going to save them from financial issues they're going to save them mm-hmm. from loneliness they're going to save them from career challenges whatever it is so the stronger you get within yourself that if a relationship doesn't work out you can deal with it you don't have to hide and pick people oh, a classic version of the fear factor is the person who always picks someone that he or she doesn't really want because then when it doesn't work out, it's kind of like, oh, well, I didn't really care anyway. So one of the ways to strengthen yourself is, believe it or not, go after what you want even though it's scary. And then when you get it or it doesn't happen, you deal with that and you don't run away from it. And dealing with it may mean having to go into short-term therapy. It may mean having to call up your girlfriend or your male friend five nights in a row whining about, can you believe what just happened? I thought I found Mr. or Ms. Wright, and, you know, the whole thing just didn't work out. So, so you fail towards success, whether it's in your career or in your relationships, Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have all these really deep, strong, scary relationships that don't work out, but even dating is an important exercise. And a lot of people today have not even, they're they're so scared they're not even allowing themselves to date. They stay so busy professionally, and they claim that they're too busy to to meet someone, but it's really fear. Well, that's interesting. And speaking of the um, speaking of the dating world, and you know, and it, it can be a bit of a jungle. And I often run across singles who really become frustrated and sometimes even a bit disgruntled, I'd say, with the whole dating process. And you know, I always encourage singles to try to adopt a mindset where they where they embrace dating as an adventure, really see it as an adventure, and approach every date as a unique opportunity. And, uh, you know, the following quote from one of your books resonated with me when you wrote, um, you wrote, you know, of course there's some luck and chance involved, but there's a positive mental attitude, and that's not luck. I learned, uh, and you're speaking of yourself, I believe, I learned to view everyone I met um, as valuable special adventures, looking for the good in everyone I met. And uh, Dr. Yeager, since I agree that mindset is so crucial in the dating process, would love to hear you, you know, expand on this idea, perhaps by sharing examples from your professional or personal experience um, in terms of this positive mental attitude and um, embracing this kind of a mindset. Oh, uh, definitely. I'm seeing uh, a lot of, in all age groups, people reaching out, people... Um, taking more initiative, but needing a little bit of, um, well, I'm working with a woman now, a lawyer Mm -hmm. who's 35. Okay. And she's terrific. And she is of Asian descent. And she, one of the great epiphanies in our working together with her 
the first thing was for her to for me to help her realize that finding someone has to be a priority because she does want to have children okay okay so the biological clock is ticking yeah the second thing that she found amazing in working with me was when i said to her have you ever thought about the fact that maybe your family and your friends have something invested in you staying single hmm okay uh, because because we talked about are people you know setting you up on dates or people encouraging you to find someone and and no mm-hmm. one was and okay. she realized that Wow, you know, when my girlfriends who have children are are can't find a babysitter, I'm always available and mm-hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. And then the other part of it is that uh the only person who really cares about her finding someone is her, is she. And this uh, is also a big um a bell goes off in people's heads because people will make getting a college degree a goal, they'll make a career achievement a goal. But when it comes to these relationship goals, they just, a lot of people tend to be very, very timid about it and say, I will leave it to chance. Mm -hmm. And then I ran, I, I was talking with a producer for a major talk show a few years ago, and she was also at that point where, you know, she was 35 and she did want to have a family. And and she, I said, you know, are you dating anyone? She goes, no. And I said, well, um, is this something that you'd like to have happen? And she said, well, if it happens, it happens. I'm not going to, you know, make it, uh, you know, something unnatural. I said, well, did you did you become a producer at this major talk show? by luck or did you have a plan and she was like whoa you're right i didn't absolutely fall into my career so i think that's an important um very self-affirming uh statement now it's a little tricky because if you're too brazen about it people can misinterpret your making wanting to find someone a priority as desperation Ah, and that's of this very off-putting. Um, right, and 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 this is uh, in both when friendship hurts, my book on friendship, and 125 ways to meet the love of your life. I uh-huh. state a truism about relationships, which is, who do you want to be friends with? The person who's popular, or the person who doesn't have any friends? So it's similar mm-hmm. with dating. You have mm-hmm. to be very careful that, yes, you're open to dating, and, yes, you are enjoying it, but you you don't want to communicate, I haven't had a date in six years, and I'll go out with anyone who calls me up, because that's going to backfire, because right. the person who does call you isn't going to feel like, whoa, aren't I lucky to go out with this person. Absolutely. If you just go out with anyone, then uh, that's that's not very self-affirming for them uh, either. Um, now, in one of your books, this is this is very interesting. In one of your books, you described eight obstacles to finding the one. And you know, I know. Um, why don't we do it this way? Why don't I, I read aloud each one for the benefit of our listeners, and then after I read each one, I'd love to give you the opportunity to expand on them. And now sure. the first, these are, again, the eight obstacles in finding the one. And the first obstacle you list is perfectionism. So tell us about that. Oh, that's a real deal breaker. Uh, rather than focusing on what's right with someone that someone meets, they focus on what the person's missing. And mm. that really gets in the way of even beginning to... Um, to see anything positive about the person. And quite often that stems from someone who is raised by parents who were always dwelling on what the person didn't do. What the they're lacking. Parent, okay. You know, what the, the kind yeah. of parent when a child got a 98, mm. why wasn't it a 100? So uh, it's very important if someone tends towards perfectionism to really 
work on that trait and and get themselves to to change their mindset so that they're aiming towards excellence and appreciating someone for what he or she can offer. Okay, and what about the second obstacle to finding the one, and that is not knowing yourself and what you need in a mate for it to work. So tell us about that one. Right. Um, that's that that that's important because uh, value disparity is going to if you if you're not clear on what you need and mm-hmm. you haven't really figured out your own values, you're going to waste a lot of time. So what you want to do is figure out what are your deal breakers. Now this is different from the perfectionism issue. This is knowing, you know, if you, there are people like Sarah Jessica Parker who is Mm -hmm. in this new movie called uh, Something About the Morgans, and in the movie she and um, uh, this British actor moved to Wisconsin. And in an interview with her, she said, you know, the movie wasn't that far-fetched because she grew up in New York and she loves Manhattan and there's no way she would ever leave Manhattan. Okay. Now, that's important for someone to know. If you are a city person uh, and you are dating someone who says, I love living in a town of 500, or you love Manhattan and the person you're dating is, is, is in um, Seoul, Korea, and there's no way they're ever leaving it's it's just going to make it that much harder for the relationship to to get going. So so know those things about yourself. Okay. And the third obstacle um, you list in terms of um, third obstacle to finding the one was failing to get to know the other person on a deep level. Tell us about that one. Uh, of course, physical attractiveness counts, okay. but what is the person beyond that because people are going to change over the years they're going to lose their hair they're going to go gray they're going to get wrinkles so who is this person on the inside not just physically uh mm-hmm. what makes him or her tick and and that's that's really what's wonderful about intimacy in a relationship where you do get to know someone on a very very deep deep level Oh, and that's what's going to sustain it for the long term. Like you said, I mean, 20, 30 years from now, what are the things that are really going to be sustaining that relationship? So I like that. But, you know, right, but it's also, but but um, but the deep level is important, but also to have some things in common mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, because that, that can help to to keep the, the couple enjoying each other and having fun because the fun factor is important too. Absolutely, absolutely. And in terms of um, one thing where I think compatibility is really important is just life goals. And that dovetails into your fourth, I think, obstacle to finding the one, and that is being in sync about timing. Tell us about that, what you meant with that. That's so important. Uh, so many people will tell me that they are in a relationship. Now, now you have to understand that someone could say, I've been in a relationship for four years and my fiance has promised me that next year is going to be the year and sometimes it truly does happen um mm-hmm. but there are people who they the timing is just not right um mm-hmm. i met a woman on the train and she was in her last year of medical school and she said that she didn't care you know if prince charming knocked on her door uh, until the next September, she had no interest in meeting anyone because getting that degree was all she was focused on. And and that's okay, but mm-hmm. it's important to know that about yourself and about the person you've just met so you will be less inclined to waste your time. Right, okay. Now the fifth one, uh, the fifth obstacle to finding the one was you say you just might need a catalyst to begin your search, and that's okay. 
Exactly. Too many people think it's um, a negative if uh, turning 35 the bell goes off or your best friend sends you a wedding invitation and, yes, you're happy for her, but you also break down and cry Mm. and realize suddenly you want someone too. So that's okay. A lot of people feel that it's got to be this, you know, something that's coming from some deep, deep, place, but it can be something as simple as, you know, I've graduated, I've just finished working for a year, and my life feels kind of empty, even though I have money and a good job. Um, there's got to be more in life. So so it's okay if it's some kind of external factor. Okay, and then what about the sixth obstacle to finding the one, and that was ignoring the rules of dating and courtship. Tell us about that. Well, you know, it, uh, we're in a liberated time to some degree, but there's still some game playing that's part of the process. It's both good and it's bad. Uh, some people so adore the game playing that they never want to settle down and go to a different level of expectations. But if you're too quick to get through the process and not let it happen. You're going to scare someone off. You're also going to push someone away. If a man expects to pick up the tab when he takes you out to dinner and you grab for the bill, that Mm -hmm. could push someone away. Um, uh, Allowing yourself to be wined and dined is important. That's all part of the courtship process relying too heavily on what friends and family members think of someone you're dating rather than letting yourself find out if this is the right one for you. Uh, That can push a relationship away that might have had a chance. Okay. And what about the seventh obstacle, and that's giving up too soon? That is very, in our times, stress, societies, uh, uh, just saying, you know, is this going where I want it to go or not, and just uh, giving someone an ultimatum that's artificial and unrealistic, mm-hmm. that can also backfire. So so it's, it's on the other hand, if you're being uh, led on and someone's got, you know, 10 girlfriends or 10 male uh, boyfriends in every town where he or she travels for work. So you have to really know when are you being unrealistic and you're giving up too soon and when are you not facing the warning signs that this relationship isn't going anywhere. Okay. Hello. Is uh, this one is being afraid of change, and this is that eighth obstacle to finding the one. Well, it's so, interesting, uh, right? Um, that's an important one. And in 125 ways to meet the love of your life, I, I even have a section on if you find someone who might be right for you, you know, mm-hmm. how do you help to keep the relationship going? Because the older a single is, and the more quote-unquote baggage a single brings to a new relationship, um, the more he or she may be resistant to change. And it could be everything from, you know, just liking a certain routine to uh, we talked about people may prefer living in the city versus the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two... It's interesting because people often talk about how hard it is to be alone, but it's actually much more challenging to be with someone because you have to compromise. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, two people living together, especially on an ongoing basis, change is inevitable because <clears throat> it's it's just not too separate people living their separate lives. It's two people interacting. So everything from, I remember a talk show, and this talk show never got aired, and I won't mention the the host, but it was a famous show. And of all the shows I've done all and over all the years, it never got aired. 
okay. the reason was it was a show on, and I was on the show as an expert. <clears throat> it was a show on um, giving up um, tokens from previous romantic partners. Okay. And okay. and the reason why the show didn't get aired is that a lot of the spouses of the women who were confiding that they still had a teddy bear from their the first love that they still hadn't gotten over. Um, the spouses didn't want this show getting aired because it was going to embarrass them. Oh, uh, so they, okay. they they hadn't the the show hadn't thought through it was a taped show, so luckily they didn't have to air it. They hadn't thought through the consequence of people revealing this, but it fits right. in with our theme of change. Because here were people who were already in either marriages or long-term relationships who were still clinging to old scripts, old relationships, old teddy bears even. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, now, Dr. Yeager, many of our listeners are of South Asian descent. Um, and by South Asian, I mean you know Indian-American or Pakistani-American. Um, and and these, these listeners of South Asian descent, many of them grew up in families where their parents had arranged marriages, and they themselves may be choosing to go a less traditional route. Uh, do you have any insights or guidance for this group of people based on your research and your professional experience as an international relationship sector? Oh, sure. Well, here's some good news. <clears throat> 125 ways to meet the love of your life. If Now, do some of your listeners, are they in India now? Um, so our listeners are throughout the world, actually. So we have a great number in the U.S., and then we have some abroad as well, abroad including India. Yeah. Okay, because 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life is actually published in India by Jayco Books. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So they they brought it out a couple of months ago, and they they published it in India because they saw a growing need for exactly the kind of help that the book offers for those who are reaching out beyond an arranged marriage situation. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Now, now given you're an international relationships expert and your books are being published, um, you know, throughout the world, um, and, you know, as mentioned, we have many listeners of South Asian ethnicity from both the U.S. and abroad. You know, we'd love to hear any cultural insights pertaining to South Asians, Indians, Pakistanis that you may have found um, in oh, your sure. research. Um, well, I think that um, the Indians I've met in India – Compared okay. to the Indians I met who have relocated to America, um, the Indians who are still living in India can be um, much more reserved mm-hmm. and uh, take longer to share about more personal uh, issues that uh, those who have uh, uh, either um, moved here or grown up here are uh, much more open, much more um, uh, uh, willing to talk about topics that in India might be seen as much more uh, things that aren't shared as openly either between men and women or even uh, between women uh, topics that couples might talk about. What kind of what kind of topics? It's always interesting to get an outside perspective on that. What uh, what kind of topics are you? Um, well, even even um, even finding out information about someone mm-hmm. might be a slower process in India versus in the United States. Um, uh, information about someone's family, someone's background. Oh, okay, okay. Um, uh, uh, talking about, you know, the the pace of the relationship can be different. Um, so it's um, especially if a couple had parents who had an arranged marriage. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a big issue is going to be: Are they comfortable with their children not having an arranged marriage? And if they mm-hmm. are comfortable, are they? going to feel that using the personals is 
But, you know, because the personals is really, on a certain level, the modern version of arranged marriages. It's just being arranged electronically or in a more technological way. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, It's interesting that, as a sociologist, when I look at why have the personals evolved and why do we have online dating and why do we need matchmakers? Mm -hmm. And it's because, sadly, our communities are letting us down and our families. Now, there's a big difference between a family suggesting people who Mm -hmm. are available, who might be appropriate dates or mates, versus an arranged marriage where the arrangement is a given. Okay, but there's some compulsion. Um, Okay. Okay. Well, you know, in other words, um, because I know that uh, when I was in India in my 20s, I befriended a wonderful woman, and she and her husband were an arranged marriage. And fortunately, they fell in love after they married and, 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 and had a beautiful marriage and still are married with two children and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But, but there's a, a big leap from an arranged marriage to absolutely dating without any help from the family. And I've seen throughout the world that this is sadly what's been happening, which is why the personals had to evolve and why there's matchmakers and online dating, because there's not enough involvement by the community and even by friends. Um, it's important that we, as a, a, all of the cultures, start taking more interest in their singles, um, saying, you know, I have a friend who has a friend who's single and might want to meet your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and I think that's, that's something that um, uh, needs to... Um, I, I was meeting with someone uh, in October who's from India, and when he mentioned that he was single, um, he lives in India. But mm-hmm. I could see that he wasn't comfortable with me making some suggestions about, you know, would you like to meet someone or, you know, what are you doing about trying to find uh, a mate? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't a topic that he really felt comfortable discussing. Okay. And I think okay. if he was an Indian who was living in the United States or had moved to the United States, mm-hmm. I think there might have been a little bit more of a comfort zone to start talking about, you know, uh, do you belong to any singles groups? Have you tried online dating? But mm-hmm. I could see mm-hmm. that the topic was a little bit uncomfortable. Okay. Now, one question many people wonder about um, is that that whole question of how do you know if someone's the one? And from your extensive research and professional experience, how do you generally answer that question? As to how you know someone is, is right. the one. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it, well, it sounds silly, but my definition is the person makes your knees buckle. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, I always say how you feel with that person is really, really important. Um, definitely. It's, it's, you definitely. know, the feeling of absolutely. Definitely. So number, and, and I think yeah. it's a feeling. I mean, there's so few things, there's so few things in our lives that are that powerful. Mm-hmm. And And I think it happens with love. But it also happens when you go on a job interview and you're being told about a job and you sort of get this gnawing feeling inside you that, wow, I really want this job. But then you could also have the feeling, you know, I really don't think this is the right job for me, but I have to make a living, so I'm going to take this job offer even though it's not right. So I think that's that's part of the whole meeting someone and 
that's why dating is such a good option because the more opportunities you have available, the less likely you're just going to pick anyone because you're in the mindset that you want to get married. So well, you want that, to have that feelings. Yes. Yeah, and speaking of that, um, in terms of that process and, and it being a process, um, you know, a quote from one of your books is, you know, I'll share the quote with our listeners again and then ask you to expand. Um, it's that too many singles are so fear, fearful of commitment or so impatient to find a mature love relationship that they, you know, avoid on the one hand or sometimes jump over um, the slow, unfrenzied methods of getting to know someone. So that, that whole process, that sense of a process, um, so oh, like that's to, so pivotal. Yeah. That's so pivotal, uh-huh. and it's interesting because um, it doesn't have it, it. It the process of getting to know someone isn't always a time issue, uh, mm-hmm. because when I met my husband, we got married twenty three days later. Ah, okay. Now a lot happened in those twenty three mm-hmm. days. Um, from our first date, and then, you know, like within a week, we were almost inseparable for those many days, and then we decided on a Friday to get married on a Sunday, and and when we called and invited people to the wedding, uh, they were thrilled for us, and then a lot of them would say, oh, but who is so and so? I hadn't. Okay, some some people in your life hadn't met him yet because it hadn't right. been. Right. Okay. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. Interesting. But but it was such a strong feeling. Now I don't I don't recommend that for everyone because you know it it just happened to work out for Fred and I. Part of it was that, and we talked earlier about timing. We had both been in relationships that lasted four years that hadn't gone <clears throat> where we wanted it to go. So at the point we met, we had that other experience that was extended and didn't lead to what we wanted. So we and we had both been dating quite a bit. So so we both, you know, it was really a strong powerful feeling. And it's interesting because um I was doing a radio show and uh a a woman called in and she said I'm really upset because my daughter is um, involved with someone and um, she doesn't seem to have time for me and she doesn't even want to know what I think of this man that she's in love with. And and I said, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's wonderful. I get worried when people say to me, I I wonder what my girlfriends think of so-and-so. And, yeah. you know, it's got to be, you're going to be the person living with your uh, the, this person the rest of your life. You're the person who has to feel in your gut that he is the one or she is the one. And, um, and, and that's what's important. If you're, if you're so insecure and so uncertain that you're taking a poll of your relatives and friends Mm-hmm. Uh, that mm-hmm. can be not the kind of really strong feelings that are going to take you through the up and down times because we didn't get a chance to talk about expectations. Well, I was just going to say that's exactly what that sounds like, others' expectations and uh you know, in terms of separating, it can be difficult to do, but in terms of separating, you know, what's important to you based on your own values, priorities, beliefs, and what others' expectations may be, uh, which may or may not be as important to you or as relevant um, for the long term for you. So right, that, and I, yeah, but, yeah. but I think it's also important that, um, you know, in India we have Bollywood, mm-hmm. and in America mm-hmm. we have Hollywood, and uh-huh. these are these are two... You know, I, I'm the co-author of a of a book on film, and my husband and I are close to having one of our romantic comedies options. So I love film, and I love Hollywood, but I think it's sad that too many people don't separate Hollywood and Bollywood from what relationships are in the long term. 
Yes, in the day to day in the long term. Yeah, well, the day to day, the day to day is exciting, and the long term is exciting, and it's romantic. But there's also the day to day, and there's also <laughs> the the disappointments. But the the upside is so wonderful, and you 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 know in accepting yourself. So often, when someone will say to me. I'm so disappointed in my spouse or my romantic partner because of X, Y, and Z. And you ask them, well, how do you feel about yourself? What's going Mm -hmm. on in your life? And then they suddenly realize that's true. I'm putting all the focus on this other person that I thought would make everything better and go away. And yes, I still have to take care of myself. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Now, many of our listeners have a lot going on in their lives, um, as everyone does. Um, but in your book, you this is very interesting to see. In your book, you apply seven principles of creative time management to the search for a life partner. And uh, once again, why don't I go ahead and read those seven principles aloud for our listeners? And maybe after each one, or again, I can have you explain how. Each of these principles, you know, may be applied to specifically the search for a life partner. Sure. So number one principle um, was be active, not just reactive. Exactly. So and that's so that. pivotal yeah. because that goes to the the couple of examples we mentioned. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just females, it's also men. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to be Searching for Mr. or Ms. Wright, not just saying, oh, if he or she comes along, I'm sure I'll know it. Uh, okay. it's, it's too important. It's too pivotal. Um, you don't want to wake up and it's 10, 20 years later and you're alone. Mm-hmm. And not only are you alone, but you've missed having a family. And mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. definitely, you've got to have a plan and you've got to go after this part of your life like you would well, anything else that matters. Absolutely. I would say it's the most important decision in most people's lives, and leaving it to pure chance, um, you know, is is, uh, is not necessarily the wisest way to go. But similarly, you, the, second, um, the second principle is set goals. So tell us about that in terms of applying that. Right. That now, you know, there are some older singles who already have children, and their goal is just to find someone to share their life with. Mm-hmm. They don't want to uh, get married again. They don't mm-hmm. want to have more children. So that's okay. That's going to be their goal. Uh, someone wants to find someone that they want to have children with, then that's and marry that's got to be their goal um i know one older woman she married in her early 50s and she married a man who had a young son who she shares the parenting uh cuz the mother is still in the picture you know the the husband's divorced and they're remarried but she was able to through her goal of getting married but also having a family because she was already in her 50s she was able to at least have a stepson so so knowing that that was important to her was important because when she was looking and she met him through one of the personal um, online dating services Mm -hmm. she knew that someone with a young child was very appealing to her and that oh, okay. helped her to achieve her goal. Interesting. Now, the third, I'm just rushing along a little bit because this has been fascinating, and we're already only have about six minutes remaining, so I wanted to get through these seven. So the third one was um, that third principle um, that I'd like you to apply to that search for a life partner is the prioritize action. Yes. Make finding a mate or a date your number one goal the new year is coming up, the holidays, number one on your calendar, number one on your daily planner, finding Mr. Right, finding Ms. Right, not dieting, not giving up smoking. Those are important, (laughs) too, but make Uh those two and three. Okay, and along uh, the fourth one there is keep your focus. So I'd imagine... 
That's right, and that's okay. going to be hard because, you know, when the boss says to you, I want you to uh, go on five business trips, well, okay, but you'd better be keeping that goal about finding and dating people as your primary goal or another year is going to go by and you're still going to be by yourself. Okay, and your fifth one, and moving along to the seven, is create realistic deadlines. Yes, um, you know, my my time frame, well, it actually wasn't uh, that I planned to get married in 23 days. In our case, it's not <laughs> okay. that way. Uh-huh. But, um, but, but uh, going back to what we very first started talking about, um, okay. the ad when I met Fred was actually the second or the third ad that I placed. And it was over, even though we got married in 23 days, I started my more proactive uh, trying to find a mate mm-hmm. um, the summer before. So it okay. actually was about five months of active dating. And that that and, and I did have very realistic um, deadlines and plans with that. It just so happened that it worked out that Fred and I shared a, a similar timetable um, that worked for us at that point in our lives. But and, uh, and like you had said before, in terms of identifying what was important to you, you had done that work in terms of identifying what was important to you as well, and that's what exactly. made I would I would argue that 23 days even possible for right. Uh, and also um, at the time I was a college professor, so I taught okay. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, so it was much easier for me to date Tuesdays, Thursdays, and and over the weekends. So that's oh. another that's another thing to consider. What kind of job do you have, and what I I was working. I'm also a relationship coach, so I was working with a woman, a woman um, who was um, she had everything in her life but relationships. She had a, a, a condo she owned. She had a great job. She had a master's degree, but. When I worked with her, I coached her, and I said to her, what do you do on the weekends? And she said, "Uh, I do my chores, because during the Mm -hmm. week she's so busy with her job. I said, Mm -hmm. well, you know, who are you going to meet doing your chores? So she had to carve out Friday night and Saturday and Sunday a couple of hours each day that she was going to uh, be searching, you know, dating or going places where she could find someone. And she did get things moving along. And and that's part of the realistic deadline because, or timetable, um, she needed to start that process because she had gotten into such a rut of her life being almost all work that it wasn't going to be an overnight change. Okay, okay. Um, and the, the sixth one is do it now, and the seventh one was balance your life. So tell us about um Well, balance your life is, you know, you don't want to lose your job because you're searching for right. a mate or a date, okay. but you also don't want your life to be all work so that you don't um, allow yourself to, to have people in your life. So it's really that balance. Well, I, I'd like to thank you, Dr. Yeager, for joining us. This has been very interesting. And oh, thank pleasure. you. And I want to tell people to please sure. visit uh, my website, uh, okay. drjanyeager.com, Y-A-G-E-R.com. Uh, they can also go to the website for whenfriendshiphurts.com. And 125 Ways to Meet the Love of Your Life is published in India by Jayco Books. And their website is jcobooks.com. And in the United States, it's published by Hannah Croy Creek Books. And that's hannahcroycreekbooks.com, or they can get it through amazon.com. Through Amazon. Wonderful. Thanks. Thank you very much again, Dr. Yeager. And in case you joined us late or would just like to share this show with people in your life, I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Matchmaking's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. And I can be reached at jespina at intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate I, your hanging look, out with us. And oh, thank you. And I look oh. forward to hearing about the, the, the adventures of your listeners and, 
And if they get 125 ways to meet the love of your life and it helps, I look forward to hearing all that good news, too. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Yeager, once again. And um, have a great night, everyone. And make sure to join us for next month's show on January 24th.